Minions The Rise of Gru is hardly the best of the Despicable Me movies or spin-offs, but the ridiculousness quotient of The Rise of Gru is still high enough to spark at least mild rejuvenation. That's Stephanie DeGarrick of Time Magazine. She's a very good critic. I like that Chris grabbed that blurb. Uh, she is talking about Minions Rise of Gru, which is our featured movie this week, our new, our old movie, the 30th anniversary. I told you last week, we did Beetlejuice. I want more Michael Keaton. I want more Tim Burton. So we're doing Batman Returns. You got Keaton. You also got Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken, all-star cast across the board. And for our wild card, Paul DeGarabedian, he's awesome. He is the senior media analyst at Comscore. Since I've been all about Elvis last week, I want to talk more Elvis. Paul is kind of to join us. He is a huge Elvis guy. He brings oh it. God. He brings the High energy. energy. Yeah. He's an Elvis guy. He knows the other Elvis movies. He was also a fan of the film. He had similar quibbles. So you're going to like Paul and his insights in the Elvis film as well. But Chris Cody, first and foremost, let's begin with another week of you ignoring my suggestion. So listen, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. First time, Unforgiven episode. You go, hey, what is a good title? I said, would you kill a man for 32 grand? I said, no, I've got it. Duck of death. And you completely ignored it and went with, uh, does that name pee too much or whatever the hell it was? I'm like, okay, fine. This time you text me 11.30 at night. Normally phone off by 11.30. I'm like, oh, Cody's texting me. It's fine. Nah, you're, you're a late texter. I've learned with you. I can get yeah. you late at night. That's why I, f- I don't feel that bad and about you texting you. go, hey, late. what do you think about it? I said, um, I, I said, I've got it. I think it's an easy one. It's now or never. Elvis song. Boom. No response. I go, burning love. Or hunk a hunk of burning love. No. I put a little less conversation, a little more action. Again, these are all Elvis songs. People will know what we're doing. I'm trying and to then, click and then, and then you, try- you go with, I'm thinking Elvis joins us capitalized. And I wrote back, not bad. And the next day, 7 a.m., Elvis joins us. I'm like, okay, all good. You do what you gotta do. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not playing anymore. Like, you ask me next time, I'm gonna go, whatever you want. I don't care. In my mind, the description was gonna say that Elvis is with us. So, like, a a wordplay on a song doesn't really grab, I'm trying to, like, Oh wait, Elvis joins us. All right, that like, or it's like something ridiculous. Adnan Pease. Right. I'm trying to hook people. Has in it worked? The I mean, the numbers are good, but the numbers gone up. No, it stayed. There's no. It, it's yeah. been very. Good I mean, stuff. I like to think. I like to think without my creative titles, they would be just lower than we normally get. <laughs> that all my all my titles are so great. Right. That the numbers are consistently what they are because of my title. Right. I need to stop asking you for, no, I'm just, for if you're going to take offense to it. You're you going to take it at least once. Like if you ask someone for their advice right. and they go 0 for 2, the right. next time, if you ask me again, you got to, even if it's a, it's a crap, the next time you have I to ask do it. Otherwise, you, I'm like, that's it. We're done. Maybe to this week's title will be This is Adnan's <laughs> title. No, like. <laughs> Whatever you want. At this point, I'll be easy. I uh, hope everybody. You're like, at this point, you don't listen to me yeah, anyway. So exactly. just do whatever the hell you want. It's when people ask you for advice and you ignore their advice. Like, what did you ask me for? I'm like, oh, I just want confirmation that I, <laughs> your advice was not good. Okay. That's so funny. I like had the thought of like, oh, I hope he's not yeah. offended. And then like, I love that this, Yo, this is, where is 100% we where I want to start. I'm absolutely offended. But nothing is more offensive than you making your first trip to Costco, which is like a special oh. circle of hell. The fact you tweeted about it, but then you called me on the fact I added the tag. What was wrong with that? I liked that I did that because you were you were you were talking about a Costco was hell, it was hellacious, and I go, yeah. And I put at Costco is crazy, and you're like, right, he like, added the tag. We're a couple businessmen here. Like you're you're kind of like outing a company. Like, like Costco's never going to advertise with Adnan Verk now. Because you like kind of went at them and added them. Literally, you went at them. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was, I was doing the pre Fourth of July shopping spree. I did a big barbecue, a couple days on the beach with friends and nice. family. We had a big Costco run to make, and man, it's like Home Depot but for food. Oh. The free samples. I must have circled back to this Jamaican beef <laughs> patty free sample like four different times. Look, the um, ginger's coming back like, again. Hey, worry, I'll have more. No problem. Thanks. I, yeah, I got to do the thing. My wife really wanted to try it. Now we're really thinking about buying one of these. Um, but it was really cool. Costco. I mean, I went there like on the most, like the Friday before 4th yeah. of July. So it was like insanely oh busy, my God. but I get it now. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how much it is a year to like, you know, be part of this club, but I get it. I mean, why wouldn't you want when you could, when you could get 48 toilet paper rolls at one time, <laughs> like why wouldn't, of course I need 48. And then you see a lady, she's like, 48 isn't enough. I need three of these things. So she's buying like 144, whatever the number is. It's like, are you stocking up for the rest of your life? <laughs> like, what's? Are you selling these on the side? Are you like making making a right. killing on? It's the anti fast like, food. Like, whereas McDonald's, you get in quick. Hopefully, at Costco, I've never right. seen it be smooth and easy. Every single time, what you're describing, overwhelmingly busy. The shopping carts exiting Costco are just downright impressive. <laughs> the the stacks high, like the Gatorades over the edge. Yeah. 
Like it is doesn't yeah it's it's too much. I'm glad you had a good barbecue. I, I get it. I, I had a good barbecue as well. I, I got to work the grill, which was great. But you really you take pride not only in in the food, but you realize what hits and what doesn't. People just want beef burgers and dogs. I've got yes. salmon burgers right now in the fridge. No one's going to touch those. I cooked them. Not yeah. one, shrimp burger. Mm, I'm good, thanks. Like let's not overthink this. The bulgogi, decent. Beef steak, actually, that went pretty well. But shrimp yeah. burger, like, why? I got anxiety because I was in charge of, like, one of the days, like, the, the, the dinner was, like, I was doing, like, steak and burgers. Yeah. And, like, there's so much pressure when you have, like, 20 people. Like, I, that's something you don't think about when you're a kid and my dad's grilling. Like, I'm just like, give me a burger. I'm not thinking about the pressure he's mm. feeling of, I got to, like, I want people to like yeah. this. Like, this is, it's just very stressful prepping food for a yeah. big group. But I think burgers and dogs are pretty easy. Like, at least that's what I found. Like, similarly yeah. big group. Steak's a little trickier, right? Because some guys want it medium, yeah. medium, rarely. Right. I'm just just cooking the crap out of it, which is not the best way you want yeah. to steak. I went, I went with the Brazilian uh, picanha steak, which I don't know if you no. ever had it. It was, it was a oh hit. I, I did, I did well. I felt that pressure, yeah. but I answered the mm. call. I answered the bell. Do you answer a call? Or yeah, a no, you answer the bell I and answer, you answer the call. I love it. I answer both I'm of them. Get that I answer both of them. Now. All right. Hope everybody had a good barbecue. Um, let's get into the movie talk. Oh, wait. So there's one thing I did to ask you. I obviously lost it when I saw Roger Federer at Wimbledon show up because it's a 100th anniversary of Wimbledon. So they're bringing back all the past champions. He was reluctant about going because he goes, listen, I'm not a former player yet. I still want to keep playing. But then he goes, once I was there, I saw the people. It was great. The question to you is this. You obviously have juice. Sheets and giggles. Runaway freight train. Mm-hmm. Metal arc. Next year, Federer saying he's hoping to play Wimbledon his last time. I've never been to Wimbledon. It's bucket list item. What can you do to get Metalark to fund this? Because if I go Let's with go. my wife and kids, that's $6,000, right? That's $1,000 a ticket just to get there. I got to get the ticket through Weissman, L. John Wertheim. That's going to be 500 bucks. Yep, no problem. I don't mind paying that. But can you get something through Metalark sheets? And get, like, I'm giving you a year right now to prepare for this. Is there any kind of tennis movie coming out that we can like tie this to this? Because I'm trying. I've already got the wheels greased for the next Oscars. The next yeah. Oscars. Like, I've already been in a meeting where like they're like, tell us your plans. What, like, what podcasts want to do yeah. stuff? I'm like, me and Adnan want to go to the, the that the has to happen red carpet so that that's already the, those wheels have already been greased but i can right. hey i'm with i'm down to go to wimbledon i've never been either i've never been to a major tennis match. Oh. like that is the only sporting event that i've never that's been it. you're to. a huge sports fan i'm kind of surprised you've never gone yeah. miami open whatever it is everything yeah. i've hockey basketball football like you name a sport i've seen it live boxing i've been to yeah, a boxing, boxing match parade. ufc been to ufc match Never been to a major oh. ten, and I like I've been trying to go to the Miami Open for a couple of years just to say mm-hmm. I've gone. But Wimbledon would obviously okay. be that's more wheels for me. Okay, to more wheels to crease right now. Let's get on Wimbledon. Uh, if anybody has any ideas, again, tweet us. Let us know how we can get the Meadowlark family to basically fund me and Chris to go. People often ask, you know, who should play Federer in a movie? I once said Clive Owen, which Stanzik started laughing because isn't Clive Owen like sixty? Looks a little old to play Federer. I'm like, good point. I would go with Ansel Elgort. You can Google the name right now. Ansel Elgort play a pretty good Federer, and also Andrew Garfield. Every Every time I see Andrew Garfield, I go, that guy's got a good head of hair. I could see him in the all-whites at Wimbledon just dominating right now. Let me know who your Roger Federer pick would be for the biopic. Oh, okay, Ansel Elgore, yeah. He's, you I can see him that. like Fed. Now, look up yeah. Andrew. You know what Andrew Garfield looks like, obviously. Either of those yeah, guys. Yeah, that's two good casting choices yeah. by you. I like, you you're good at casting my Federer movie. Before we get into the movies, I, uh, I wanted to finish up my George Carlin triumvirate of stand-up specials. HBO Max has a bunch of them. So I rewatched Jammin' in New York, which, as I told Judd Apatow, I listened to the cassette tape 30 years ago. So I finally... Watch the whole thing again. It's incredible. And then I watched his later two ones, which were not as funny, but still pretty good. But one couple of jokes I want to throw at you. His last one was called It's Bad For You, which was like 2008. And Carlin died shortly after. A lot of death talk. It was, it's a very morbid special. As Stephen Colbert said in Judd's documentary, because he kind of lost me towards the end. Like he's very, very nihilistic and very violent towards the end. He's talking about when people die. And he's obviously a very well-known atheist. He's like, I don't believe any of this stuff. But he goes, but they say, I'm sure your father's smiling down from heaven. He goes, how do you know he's smiling down from heaven? How do you not know he's looking up at us from hell? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what if you said this? I'm like, I'm sure your father's looking up from hell right now, impressed with what you've done with your life. And he goes, by the way, is there like half a billion people in heaven or in hell? He goes, don't they have other things better to do? Really? They're just watching what's happening on planet Earth? There's that place I'm no longer a part of. Let's see how my kids are doing. Oh, they're still screwing up. Great. Okay. I'm just going to go back to (laughs) digging digging coals of fire out here. I'm just going to go ahead and he also said, when you say to somebody, and I do this all the time, someone passes away, I go, hey, my thoughts are with you. He goes, well, where exactly are those thoughts? Is it, is, yeah. is it somewhere between, I can't wait to have a turkey sandwich and I want to bang the neighbor's wife? Like, where, where, where is that thought that you're having for this person? I'm like, 
That's a pretty good point. George Carlin is bad for you. Great comedy special if you want to check it out. Let's dive into Minions, shall we? The thing about Minions is this. I, I'm just, I'm amazed how much drugs these people must do. Like, I, I think if I met somebody who did Sesame Street, they'd be like, listen, I was baked. That's how I thought of Big Bird. Because I, I understand how else you can think of an idea. Like, the actual Despicable Me movie, I'm like, I get that. It's Gru, G-R-U. He's a super villain. And we're going to have this cast of, you know, his support characters. And they're yellow people. And most of them have two eyes. One guy has one eye. And the main ones are Bob, Stuart, and Kevin. And they don't actually speak English. They speak gibberish. And then they go around and do funny things. Like, there's no way in a pitch meeting you go, that sounds like a good idea. And instead, it's not only Despicable Me 1, 2, 3, but spinoff movies. The the latest film is not even a Despicable Me. It is a Minions film, which is just shocking to me. Chris, could you imagine how many drugs these people do? You're going to have to make me want to watch this movie. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've seen these commercials. My daughter likes yeah. the, like, you know. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. I used to watch that YouTube video, like, seven million yeah, times. It's... But uh, does it grab you at all? Like, it seems so just ridiculous to me. Like, at least Toy Story grabs yes. you. Like, these movies, Finding Nemo, like, there's a real stories that, like, grab you. Like, is there any actual point in any of these Minion movies where you're like, oh, this is... I'm no, you're nailing this. it because most of those movies, the best thing you can say for kids' film is it appeals to adults and children alike, which Toy Story certainly does, right. which Wally does, you know, films of yeah. that ilk. With Minions Rise of Grey, I mean, it's purely for the kids. And this is a prequel. It's the untold story of one 12 year old's dream to become the world's greatest supervillain. So rather than a sequel, we're going to go prequel now, which is, you know, that's when they're running out <laughs> of ideas. Like, well, we can't go 30 years in the future. Let's just go when yeah. Gru was a kid. Okay, that's great. And, you know, it's yeah. kind of funny enough. It's charming enough. The, one of the best parts of the film is Alan Arkin. He plays Wild Knuckles. So Gru, our man Steve Carell, he admires Wild Knuckles, who is the world's greatest villain. But later on ends up being captured by him, which leads to this really unique father-son relationship. But it's funny because obviously they're both <laughs> villains and arch nemeses, but end up making this connection. So I thought their relationship was very good. That was funny. You've also got other good cast members. I mean, Jean-Claude Van Damme is the voice in the film. If you like your action movies, Taraji P. Henson, Michelle Yeoh, who was so great, everything, everywhere, all at once. Dolph Lundgren as well. Russell Brand is in the film. But in answer to your question, can I sell you on it? No. I mean, this is a two Maple Leaf movie. It's definitely one just aimed for the kids. The best thing I can say about it is it was quick, 87 minutes. But the crowd, though, was incredibly hyped. I, I went to the local theater five minutes from our house. I took three of my boys, and I couldn't believe it. The crowd's going nuts. And it was like my son of Dean's age. He's 11, so it was all like 10 to 13-year-olds going nuts. Like I mean, it was like a pep rally. The, the trailers come up, and they're like, let's go, Minions. Really? Let's go, Minions. Like, what? Like, where am I, right? Ridgewood, New Jersey. That's a hotbed weird. of Minions fans. And I'm like, okay, they're at the age where they're too young to really be that loud, but they're too old. For, like, a 16-year-old is not going to see Minions. So it's that 11 to 13 that they're going nuts. Did they quiet up when well, the that, that was my concern because they, they were loud the whole trailer. Yeah. I was like, okay, hey, let's shut the, you know, I'm paying freaking $60 yeah. here for these tickets. Then, the, <laughs> then they got quiet. There was a couple of moments... Like, there was callbacks to other characters. So they started to lose their mind, but that's okay. That's like, like oh, my God, it's Robotnik. Like, if you're watching a song, yeah, right, 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 that kind of thing. But generally, it was okay. But then I, I got raucous ovation at the end. I mean, my son, Adina, is so funny. He brought, like, his little Minions character. So he started holding it up. They're like, ah, Minions. <laughs> he was like, Dad, this is awesome. <laughs> he was really pumped. By the way, he's turning 11 this Friday. His birthday wish is to go see Thor, Love, and Thunder. I go, buddy, come on. I- I've been to the Jersey Shore. I took the Yankees game. You name it. Like, whatever you want. Birthday cake. Your friends come out, slip and slide in the back. I want to see Thor. So I'm going to be seeing the Hammer of Thor this Friday night. I mean, there's worse plays to spend a movie night, but I'm, like, yeah. I'm not really hyped for Thor, Love, and Thunder. But anyways, that's going to be my Friday night. So did your, does your son or kids like the Minion yeah. movie? And when you're leaving the theater, do you just say to them, yeah, I liked it. Do you save your actual yeah. thoughts or do you actually give them? No, I, I ask them their opinion first. Okay, what would you guys think? They're like, oh, I loved it. It was really good. I'm like, what's your favorite part? They're like, oh, when this and this happened. I'm like, yeah, that was great. Yeah. And then they're not, you know, their yeah. kids are not going, what did you think, Dad? <laughs> yeah. I don't care about your opinion. Oh, they don't even yeah. ask. They don't know you host Cinephile, one of the most popular movie podcasts you, in America. Yusuf, my eldest, does. Sometimes they'll say, oh, you should review this for Cinephile. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, there's this, ESPN's got this series about Jeter coming out, the captain. He's like, oh, are you going to review yeah. that for Cinephile? Yeah. I, I actually, I like Jeter. I, I am curious to see that. And yeah. I, I, Cody and I would probably be into that. You should actually, you know, maybe get a, his, uh, maybe get a Aaron Boone or something on That's actually not episode. a bad Pull call. some strings. Yeah, you know get, get like a Yankee. Get one of your Yankee friends. Maybe Tex. Yeah, I could get to share. You know what? I could get to share. That's 
that's no problem. He's not doing much. He's just yeah. sitting there counting his money. I'm just saying, it'd be a nice little like sell that Jeter okay. episode right. with something like someone that right. knew it's him. Good, it's a good way of thinking this. Up. Look at us. Look at us having an on-air <laughs> meeting. A couple of reviews here of Minions. Avi Offer of New York City Movie Guru. Often dull, unfunny, and exhausting while quickly running out of steam. Watch Marcel the Shell with shoes on, Megamind, or A Town Called Panic instead. Ouch. And Wendy... Megamind's good. I do like Megamind. Yeah, I, I, Will Ferrell. Great. And Wendy Eyed of Observer. The bean-shaped evil groupies deliver a concentrated hit of irrepressible goofball nonsense. There's a couple of good psych gags. I'll give her that, but it's not one I can only recommend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. All right, our old movie. Batman Returns, baby. That's right. While Batman deals with a deformed man calling himself the Penguin wreaking havoc across Gotham with the help of a cruel businessman, a female employee of the latter becomes the Catwoman with her own vendetta. It's from director Tim Burton. And spoiler alert, 30-year anniversary. When I saw it when I was 14... I think it would have been my favorite movie of all time. I mean, I, I went through, I did a list of like my favorite movies when I was 14, and I'm pretty sure I had The Untouchables, number one, and Batman Returns with like a solid seven. So I couldn't wait to go watch this again, and I watched it with my kids. Definitely shouldn't have not have let my son Shaz watch it. Five years old, the scene where Penguin bites the guy's nose, I'm like, he was, he yeah. was horrified by that. Because the next day I asked him, what did you think? He's like, I didn't like when Penguin bit the guy's nose. I'm like, yeah, that was, that was definitely not good for a five-year-old. But 14 and 11, those guys loved it. And they enjoyed it as much as I did watching it again. Here's what I love about... I love... Can I just jump in real fast? After that, when he bites him yeah. in the nose, they're like, there's like a 30 seconds of panic. And then they're like, all right, back to work. <laughs> and it's just like, go about your yeah. business. And everyone's like, if all you right. Seen the movie, like, what this guy what just happens is Max Shrek, Christopher Walken, is introducing him as a potential mayoral candidate. And so he's kind of like sniffing. He's kind of like, you know, he's, he's kind of like, you know, gesturing towards the woman. And then the guy makes a joke because he's this smarmy looking guy with the glasses because, oh, yeah. must not be a lot of reflective surfaces down there because he's obviously disgustingly <laughs> ghastly white. Yeah. And Penguin goes, mm, <laughs> could be worse. My nose could be gushing blood. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? what? Gushing blood. Ha! Bites a guy's nose, gushing yeah. blood. I'm like, oh my God. And then everyone's like, oh my God, this yeah. is weird. All right, everyone, back to work. But I love how Christopher Walken <laughs> lured him down just giving him a fish. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> travels in his mouth. And, and he tries to convince him. He goes, all right, Max, you drive a hard bargain. I'll be mayor. Like, he just, 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 just coaxed the idea. It's one of the most ridiculous characters in oh. the history of movies. You can continue sure. like giving your... I'll so jump here's, in. But here's like, what I love about Batman Returns. Like, right from the get-go, it's truly a Tim Burton movie. I mean, it's got such a great gothic vision of it. Like That's one of those films that go, look at the production design. Look at the costumes. Danny Elfman's music's incredible. If you remember Mike Ryan's review of the Batman, he mentioned, like, hey, how about Danny Elfman? He goes, oh, Danny Elfman, the best. He was the, did the composer for Batman and Batman Returns. And the music is like a character in the movie. That's how good the music is. Yes. Like the scene where Penguin goes to see his parents are now in a grave, you know, Burton times the scene to the music. Like as 
Penguin falls to his knees. Boom, the orchestra comes up. You know, at times there's like kind of circusy music when the Penguin's fans are running around when Batman's car is being corrupted. I mean, it's just got such a grandeur to it. That's what I love about that world. When I watch Batman Returns, I go, God, I'd love to be in that world. It's yeah. just, just black and nightmarish and dark. It just looks right. so unusual and cool. And even the opening I love, boom, it's Paul Rubens, uh, you know, Tim Burton favorite, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And him and his wife, just, there's, a, there's a child inside of a box grabbing a cat and Yeah, they're it. the worst people ever. Yeah. They like their child is not good looking, so yeah. they like get yeah. it out of he's, here. He's, they, like, he's got a monocle, and if the kid eats a bang, and they they dump their kid in a creek. I'm like, what? And like, it's a great shot. The camera falls in there, and then boom, the credits come up. Bob Kane, Danny Elfman music. Da, 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 da. I'm like, here we go. Batman returns, baby. And he is the Penguin Man. And most superhero movies are only as good as their villains. And that's why Batman Returns doesn't have just one. They've got two. And they're swinging for the fences. A lot of this movie is not a lot of Batman. Like Michael Keaton in the first Batman gets blown away by Jack Nicholson, who's overacting like crazy. And I love the movie. I love his performance. But Keaton's underacting fairly quiet, except for the one scene where he goes, you want to get nuts all right come on let's get nuts other than that it's yeah. jack just acting crazy and in the sequel he gets even less screen time because we have two villains so you got to tell penguin's backstory and you've got michelle pfeiffer who is tremendous i don't think i, I appreciate how good she was at the time Remember the critics loved her and i was like well, i mean she's cool now i know she's sexy she's slinky she's this jilted woman you women make it so easy i am Catwoman. hear me roar like she is that ferocious woman and the scenes with her and keaton like you can feel the energy between them as it's so charming charged up once they realize who this Selena Kyle is. Christopher Walken, again, as a 14 year I did not know, that's Academy Award winner Christopher Walken, who has made some great movies, played a lot of villains. Him playing Max Shrek, I, at one point when he says, he goes, if Selena Kyle tries to come to me, I'll throw out of a bigger building. You think he can go 12 rounds with Muhammad Shrek? Like, some of his, his, yeah. his dialogue is ridiculous. But, Back to DeVito, because you mentioned he's one of the most ridiculous characters of all time. I love his opening scene, though, where he's giving his version of events to Max Shrek. He goes, you flush it, I flaunt it. And the way he just keeps kind of yeah. grunting at him. <laughs> he wants to, like, capture every firstborn child. What did you think of DeVito's performance? Because I think it's, it's a go-for-broke performance. It's a good performance. I mean, I just thought both villains are pretty ridiculous in this movie. Like, I am I, so with you. Burton is the star yeah. of this movie because, like, the music, yeah. the setting, the feel of the movie is as good as you can like find in yes. cinema. But then you just have this ridiculous story <laughs> in the middle of it. Like this penguin boy, like, I just want to be some respect <laughs> like them. Like, it's just like, like, it's just such a ridiculous premise. Even Catwoman, yeah. like she's just so like, I don't know, like it's it, it wants to be a great yeah. movie, but it's just such a ridiculous premise. Like Keaton is like, Keaton. Awesome. nobody can smirk like Michael Keaton. Right. Like that just like quick, like, <laughs> Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, that, like I don't know. There's just something about that. But the whole time, I'm just like, man, I really think this movie wants to be a great movie. But it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, the scene where he bites the guy. It's just like there's, like, a middle of, like, a campaign meeting. The, the guy bites his nose off. And then a second later, it's like, all right, everyone, back to work. How, how about and some then, of the dialogue? Like, when, when at, Right after that yeah. scene, he goes up the stairs. And Catwoman was waiting for him. And he says, and again, I didn't appreciate this when I was 14. He says, just the pussy I've been looking for. I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, Mike, the the I never realized the the, the penguin is so inappropriate. Very with horny guy. But he's yeah. he's putting the pin on like that lady's chest, <laughs> like he's <laughs> just copping a feel. Even even yeah. when he's trying to like hit on Catwoman there, and he goes, you know, she says we have a lot in common. He goes, contempt for the czars of fashion. Right. And right. later on, he tries to make a move on her because like, hey, we took up Batman. She goes, oh my god, I wouldn't touch you, you know. And he gets out. He goes, oh, you lousy minx. I'd have you spade. You send out yeah. all the signals, and I think I'm tired yeah. of you now. Like some of the dialogue, it's so cartoonish. It's it's back to your point, ridiculous. And Bruce Wayne's like like manor, like his mansion. Get an interior decorator, man. Like Jesus, what decade are you living in? Like I know this is the '90s, but like he, he's, I don't know. I just felt like if you have all that money, like it just looks so dark and like the the fireplace is cool, but this couch is so like ugly and like I was just like I get it. We, you're giving off rich, but it's just like this is not stylish at all. I mean, maybe it was '92, so maybe that was stylish. How about Alfred gives him the soup? He goes, "It's fishy swaz." It's supposed to be cold. It's he like spits it out. It's cold. It's supposed to be cold. <laughs> like that's the extent of their relationship. I give this guy cold soup. Yeah. He keeps being employed at this very rich mansion. Yeah. And when he tries to leave Selena Kyle, just tell her like a meeting came up. Like what? I, it's yeah. so bizarre. And and the penguin was only thirty three years old at at the time of this. I believe wow. there's some reference at one point where he like referenced how old mm -hmm. he is. 
And I'm like, wow, you look like you're 50 something penguin. <laughs> and he's like 33 years old. I'm like, this is the prime of your life, penguin. This is what Imagine you look like. DeVito like getting in a. Like, listen, DeVito's a short guy. He's a little overweight, but this guy's like a short, fat suit. He's obviously wearing the stringy hair, the big circles under his eyes. I mean, those teeth. I mean, I, I got the, the makeup is amazing. And when Christopher Walken pushes Michelle Pfeiffer out the window the first yeah. time, what a dumb, like, aren't there security? Like, there was clear, it's late at night. There's security cameras that clearly show two people walking into that office. And then there's like, so it's like, he's just like, it's like one of the dumbest murders in the history of and, and what's that cat there's none on that finger like it's just a shot i just oh. I, I recoil every time i see that shot. i hadn't watched this movie probably since i was 10 <laughs> years old 11 years old the scenes with the cats is what i remembered most yeah. oswald cobblepot I, I remember reading an article in entertainment weekly in 92 at the time the movie cost 100 million dollars and was actually a disappointment it made 160 and the criticism was from box office was it was too dark it was too tim burton we gotta lighten this up and that led to two terrible batman movies including Batman and Robin, and Batman Forever was the third one. Val Kilmer, Joel Schumacher, the director. Remember, he lightened it up, big, bright. Tommy Lee Jones, the Riddler. Jim Carrey acting it up. I like Tommy that Tommy Lee Jones one. is Two Face. Yeah, Jim Carrey's the Riddler. The third one, I think, is decent. The one, I I like the one with Jim yeah, Carrey. That's the third one. The fourth one was one people hated. Batman and Forever, Mr. Freeze, Schwarzenegger. For, oh, Clooney yeah, had nipples in the bat suit. He always makes jokes about that. So they they really went away from Burton's version. It was funny. They went, we got to go a lot brighter, and then they went darker again. Now, of course, it's so nihilistic. The one with Robert Pattinson. But I remember that the article. There was a guy holding a sign that said, I am not a human being, I'm an animal. Because remember, earlier on, Oswald says, you know, I'm not an animal, my name is Oswald. Once he loses, I am not a human being, I'm an animal. And, and it's yeah. whole, back to your point about ridiculousness. So the plot is, he wants to find his real parents, then he wants to kidnap all the firstborn kids. Like, for why? Yeah. Like, to, to punish them for what? Just because he didn't have the upbringing that they had? Like, it's a, a right. very flimsy way. Like, normally it's, you know, I want to just take over the world. Like, I want a billion dollars. No, no, yeah. I want to capture all the firstborn I sons. Want some respect. Like you. <laughs> it's like, what a ridiculous. He's got a table pull of, like with like clowns drinking out of goblets. And it's just like, we all listen to this penguin. The one guy gets shot too. He says something he doesn't like. Penguin just shoots the guy. Boom, he gets him with the penguin. Like, who's, how about when he, who, why are we listening to this How penguin? about when he grabs the umbrella and it's the wrong one? He goes, I went for the yeah. cute one. Oh, and he ends yeah. up dying. And the penguins put him yeah. in, what, what a bizarre scene. Very Tim Burton. It's ridiculous. The penguins, a lot of ridiculous The penguins scenes. putting him to death. Even when Shrek finds out who Batman is, he goes, Bruce Wayne, what are you doing dressed up as Batman? You idiot, he yeah. is Batman. Oh, yeah. and you're fired. Was. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to like enter a, a sewer in like a duck boat ever since that. <laughs> ever since that movie. It just seems The really duck cool. boat was awesome. I also like the scene where he, uh, he takes over the, the Batmobile. And then penguins drop. He's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. He's just grunting the whole time, stomachs in the way, grabbing the steering wheel. It had to be the most grunts ever by. Oh my god! And movie. I think he loved doing it. I, I heard Devito on Mark Maron's podcast a couple years ago, and, he, and Maron brought up. He's like, "Hey man, that Batman, that penguin was just weird." Like, oh, I loved it. I had a blast. I'm like, yeah, I, I could definitely see him yeah. enjoying the role. Like blue, inexplicable blue liquid. Yeah. Like just every time, every time he's just talking, it's like, it's like his lips are bloody as he's talking and stuff. This is just just. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great penguin impression. We should do that on the show. You do that on the laboratory. Just go. Rrr, rrr, like, what's going on over there? <laughs> Those are our thoughts on Batman Returns. A mixed bag, as one might say. I still love the look of it, but Chris is right. The story is awfully ridiculous, and some of those one-liners are just, just a little, uh, little tough to take. That's Batman Returns, the 30th anniversary. You can find that available, I'm sure, on HBO or any other streaming service. It's time for the wild card. My man Paul DeGarabedian. He is the senior analyst at Comscore, and he is a huge Elvis fan. Viva Las Vegas! All right, I am loving Elvis. I love the film. I want to talk more Elvis. And so we have a great guest today, Paul DeGarabedian, who is the senior media analyst of Comscore and the host of the Many Screens Big Picture Podcast. That's right, Podcasters Uniting. And what a great guy he is. Before we even get into it, he's on the West Coast. He's willing to tape this at 8 a.m., which I know as a movie guy, there's no way he'd like to do this early hour. But, Paul, great to see you. And thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Great to see you too, Adnan. And I'm just thrilled to be here. I, it's a real honor for me. I appreciate that, man. Let, let's talk about Elvis, because I felt like it was an honor to see the film. I was so excited to watch it. And I think Baz Luhrmann can be hit and miss. Okay, he's generally more style yep. over substance. But I thought in this instance, it perfectly worked. His sensibility, that kinetic energy, making you feel like you're watching an Elvis concert. I thought it was a bullseye. And Austin Butler's superb lead performance. I love the costume designs and the music and the, the sensation of it. My only quibble... 
Our man Tom Hanks, I thought he was drowning in latex and a bad accent and was tough to get past Tom Hanks playing the colonel. But I, I like the I fact agree. That, yeah, I like the fact he went for it. Hey, you went outside your box, and you and I both know how else you're gonna finance an eighty-five million dollar Elvis movie without a star. We gotta get Elvis. Okay, I got it. We'll get Tom Hanks. But your impressions of the film, which I thought was fantastic. Well, I'm a huge Baz Luhrmann fan, and I actually I was at CinemaCon this year and he came out himself. Baz Luhrmann to introduce uh, some footage of the film. And just for the record, Baz Luhrmann should have a podcast or a TV show if he doesn't already. I mean, the guy is just a dynamo. He's incredible. So passionate about films, you know, about film and about the subject matter. And he's so tuned into music. You look at like Strictly Ballroom, even Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, even Gatsby. I mean, all of his movies have a real element of, uh, music like this emphasis on that so i think elvis was the perfect vehicle for baz lerman and he this is not like the tv movie elvis this isn't like movies that attempt to recreate elvis's life this is like a hyper real version of what we all want to see when it comes to elvis and i think this will be the movie adnan that that gets younger people into elvis yeah. uh now in this new era when the music is so different, but star power never fades. And Elvis's star power is incredible. And also you're right, Austin Butler's so good. My quibble with the movie was the same exact one as yours. And you're right about the reason too. You gotta get that financing. And you know, look, uh, Hank swung for the fences, but for me, it was a little too one dimensional, that character. I know Colonel Tom was no hero and no saint, but certainly there had to be some nuance to that that character in real life. Uh, I'm thrilled we're in cahoots. A friend of mine texted me and goes, listen, I know we all love Tom Hanks, but that's a Razzie-type performance. He said, that is... Yeah, right? and it's, I love Hanks. Yeah, it's a- I, I love Hanks, but yeah, and the, the costume design, my God. I mean, if there, there better be multiple Academy Award nominations here. And let's just give it up for Austin Butler. So great in the movie. I I couldn't imagine how intimidating that must have been, right? Yeah, I'm going to play Elvis. And I think, again, the key was he's a relative unknown. Like, unless I watched Disney Junior, whatever the hell he's done, I wouldn't know who he was. So I went in with fresh eyes. Like, if I'm watching Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm like, well, I'm watching Jake Gyllenhaal play Elvis. But this guy, I never seen him do anything. So I'm like, he, to me, is capturing Elvis. And he's so soulful. And, man, the way he moved those hips. I mean, that that is hard to replicate, right? (laughs) How do you recreate that? I mean, that's no special effect. I mean, that's real. That was no CGI in those hips. And uh, he is so good. And by the way, Austin Butler, I didn't realize he played Tex Watson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Someone's actually thinking, the one thing you would make that, that connection. Yeah, you're right. I have no recollection of him being in that film. And I've seen it twice. So I'd have to go watch it again just to see Are you Tex kidding? Watson. kidding? I've seen Once Upon a Time about 10 times and I didn't <laughs> even realize that's Austin Butler in that role. But yeah, just to a great movie. And I, I did a lot of research on, you know, musical biopics mm. and it's, they've been amazing over the years, but usually they don't open huge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody of course is at the top of the list in terms of the box office, but even that movie took some time to get to its final result. And so I know when, when Elvis opened, some people thought, Oh, it should open bigger or whatever, but it's hanging in there. Mm. And I think as people discover this movie and talk about it, that they'll go out to see it again. That's what I'm telling everybody. I'm like, do not wait for the small screen. You've got to see this in the theater on a big ass screen to appreciate yeah. the emotion. And to your point about musical biopics, when I checked the box office, I said, yes, 30.5 million tied with Top Gun, which is in its yeah. fifth week making a billion dollars. That's a real triumph for Baz Luhrmann. If you're going to say, I'm, I'm Elvis, you're right, in this day and age. And yet now I talk to people and they go, no, millennials are putting TikTok videos out about Elvis. Like this is, this yeah. is an Elvis resurgence now. Absolutely. And it, what, you know, it's interesting too you talk about that tie now on sunday morning we get the box office estimates and it was both of the both top gun maverick and elvis came in with 30.5 million dollars like crap i hate ties on a sunday morning (laughs) and we put elvis first because well alphabetically and it was the newer movie and all that and it would have been a return to the top spot for top gun in its fifth weekend which would have been a huge deal right and this takes nothing away from Top Gun. I mean, come on. Sure. It's, I mean, no one's crying for that movie. It's doing so incredibly well, and rightfully so. But Elvis wound up winning the weekend. It actually came in a little higher. That's so awesome. that, that was great news for Elvis. And uh, I think what this movie does, too, is it brings the young Elvis to the forefront, you know, the, the early days of Elvis, 
but then gets to the latter career. Remember, he passed away at age 42. So Elvis was never most parents age or what I mean, you know, like old, uh, uh, like an elderly person. He never became that. And so this is a youthful story. And the way Baz Luhrmann uh, portrays it on screen, because Baz Luhrmann is not only a great director, he's clearly he's a set designer at his core. He's a he's a music producer somewhere in there. He's all these things. And of course, he has a great team around him and all the you know the great acting in the movie. And especially from many of the supporting players were just great. Mm -hmm. But it really is, I think, no better, uh, no better director, filmmaker to create Elvis is, you know, Elvis's early life and career than Baz Luhrmann And, and, and finding Austin Butler, figuring that out, making that calculus that this would be the guy to play Elvis. This movie would would rise or fall yeah. on if that casting, like, in other words, if you had the same issues with the, with Elvis in the movie as you did with Colonel Tom in terms of the acting or whatever, the portrayal, it'd be game over for the movie. So it really is so much about casting, but it's also about every detail. And there are a lot of details in this movie. Yeah, and part of it, people said, wow, three-hour movie. I go, no, it's two and a half hours. It's minute to minute. I checked my watch, 8.50, it started, yeah. the trailers. So 150 minutes, you and I could argue, to really do it right, you want eight hours on Netflix, right? You'd want a limited series. But for two and a half hours, I thought Baz's pacing was amazing. I never once checked my watch. I thought the first right. 45 minutes, he really kind of eased you into that world, the, the influence of black music, and particularly the second half. I mean, it was rolling. At yeah. times, my, I, I wouldn't say it's a criticism, but I almost thought, give me a little more depth. Like, give me, like on the movies, it was, it was a 30-second crawl. Like, Blue Hawaii, Kissing Cousins, did some movies. Do you think that's because those movies just weren't impactful? Maybe because they weren't really memorable? So, Bass, you know what? I'm not going to waste a scene of him making a movie from Blue Hawaii. Why bother? Yeah, I think a lot of that has been done before. I mean, there have been so, – well, there's been movies with Elvis in them, but there's there are so many – you can make 10 movies about Elvis, and there have been multiple movies made. I think Baz Luhrmann picked the perfect point of view, the perfect timeline, the perfect characters to bring to the forefront, even incidents like – you know, the assassination of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy and, and and bringing kind of that political, not in a, you know, overt way, but just bringing it to the forefront, showing that Elvis uh, resonated along with the culture and reflected it. And even though we think of him as a, a singer and, and an entertainer and a film star, the guy was deep. And I don't think Elvis gets a lot of credit for being deep. He had a very, uh, you know, his childhood was uh very tumultuous and uh, his relationship with his mother is <laughs> world famous. Mm -hmm. And uh, I learned a lot more about his, his relationship with his, with his father uh, too, which was kind of interesting. So I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't really know. And that's really cool in a movie. And then I, myself uh, aging myself a bit here, Adnan, uh, I, I was at the international hotel. Wow. Uh, that was a place where my parents took me when I was like, eight years old because they want to get me in the Vegas spirit, I guess. And we would go to, to Vegas. And I remember staying at that hotel. I remember going to that ballroom. I personally didn't see Elvis. They probably didn't want a seven-year-old kid or eight-year-old kid or nine, whatever the hell I was at the time <laughs> in the ballroom at, at, at the international, which is now the Las Vegas Hilton. And the building is still there. They just added towers to it. So it looks bigger, right? But that's the same hotel. That was Elvis's place. And uh, yeah, it's really cool to see in the movie how perfectly they got the red velvet booths in the, you know, those ball, those uh, ballrooms, every seat was uh, either a table or mostly booths so people could face Elvis yeah. and be at dinner or having drinks. It, it is, was great. It is really cool the way they replicated that. And the whole concept of Colonel Tom Parker, again, if you'd ask me, what do I know about the Colonel going into the film? I'd say 50-50 uh, split, which is legendarily horrible for the artist. And that's really all I know about the guy. Probably not a great guy. And I think, you get, again, you give Baz credit for telling his version of the story. We've seen, as you said, Elvis rags to riches biopics, but to frame it through the kernel, his voice over his narration, I thought was a unique technique. I thought so, too. Although, you know, for me, the best and he was a villain for me, the best movie villains, for instance, you take Heath Ledger as the Joker mm -hmm. when he's not on screen in the dark night. You're like, where is he? I want him to come back. Yeah. You know, you can't wait or even I wouldn't call him a villain, but like Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive where you're like, get him back on screen, man. Right. I didn't feel exactly that way. Mm -hmm. 
with with because Colonel Tom is a despicable character. So maybe that's good. Maybe that's how we're supposed to feel. Yeah. Maybe it was perfectly pitched. Maybe that's exactly how he was. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to frame it through the lens of Colonel Tom Parker. And it was I, I don't know if it's 50 50, but it's pretty heavy. Colonel Tom's story yeah. as well. Yeah, it's true. Which I think made it unique. I think you're exactly right. And look, Baz Luhrmann, whatever he does, like you said, not every movie is perfect, but and he swings for the fences every time. And that's why he only has six movies in his career, but they've all made their mark. No question. I agree. Even if you don't like his films, we need more Baz Luhrmann's because at least he's audacious and he's a risk taker. If it doesn't work, that's fine. He's got the courage of his convictions. In a summer which is overrun by sequels and superheroes and kids movies, Baz Luhrmann is making a unique, you know, original film, which I think is hugely noteworthy. Yeah, and I love the word you used, audacious. I remember in the Hearts of Darkness documentary where Francis Ford Coppola said, I want to make the most audacious, over the top, you know, whatever. He had all these adjectives going along with it. But those are the filmmakers that you want to follow into the multiplex because they're the ones who are creating awesome, visually stunning works that also resonate uh, emotionally with the audience. And, and Baz really does. I just don't want to wait like how many years like his last movie, I think was in 2013. What do we have to wait 10 years for every yeah. Baz that is a movie, fun. but you don't create a movie like that overnight. No, hundred percent. It's funny when you mentioned Apocalypse. No, I thought you were going to mention Dennis Hopper. Cause I think he's, he's rambling about audacious things and he's high as a kite. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the late, great Dennis Hopper. Oh, no question. Uh, a couple more on Elvis and we'll get you out of here. The music of the film was amazing. And I thought was again, just the pacing of it. He'll give you like, the first two lines of Burning Love and then boom, Bass is moving on to the next one. Like he's not going to give you too much. I would have loved to have heard It's Now or Never, but I, I imagine it's an impossible oh. task to get all those songs in there. Was, <laughs> was there a song or two that you said, man, I really wish they'd give me a little bit more of Jailhouse yeah. Rock or whatever? Yeah, yeah you know, I, Little Sister is one of my favorite Elvis songs. You know, it's got that amazing bass line and uh, I love that. And uh, certainly Suspicious Minds ranks you know, way up there. And the thing I've noticed, I have these vinyl albums of Elvis that I showed you earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, The early recordings, it's amazing to see from, you know, Heartbreak Hotel and Hound Dog to Suspicious Minds or In the Ghetto or any of those songs, the the much better fidelity Mm. of the later or latter songs. And obviously when you have no money, when you're being recorded at Sun Studios with one microphone and you've got a two track tape, it's going to be different than when you have multi-track and the top producers and all that. But those early songs are no less impressive and they're stunning even today. Can you imagine being a a teenager in like 1960 and and hearing Elvis or in the fifties, you'd just be blown away. That's the birth of, uh, uh, you know, of rock and roll, but without the blues, without the, the, the artists and musicians who, grew up that Elvis grew up around Mm. those influences are so clear the gospel elements to the music the bluesy elements and of course rock and roll elements that Elvis helped to create really make it stunning but and and I know in the trailer they use that first yell from uh, Heartbreak Hotel where he's like and then they you know they pan to him and you're like whoa and then they just cut on that Sorry, people, for trying to sing that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I figured that that was the, you know, that part of the, my dog's barking, yeah, I mean, hound dog. After that howl, it was like the dogs are into it. I love Seriously, it. that's my dog doing hound dog right now. Um, somebody's at the door. <laughs> but I just, yeah, the music was great. And the soundtrack is great. They've got like mixes with other artists like Jack White, and, among, yeah. among others. Kind of re- and they work. It really works. And I know Austin Butler did sing some of the. Yeah, I read. I read the way it was. Is he sang some of the songs and then Elvis and they kind of mixed the two together, which is an awfully unusual approach. Yeah, well, I mean, remember when uh, Val Kilmer did, played Jim Morrison? Oliver Stone said, "Send me a tape of you singing." And he and if I could tell the difference between you and the real Jim Morrison, you're hired. And guess what? He, he, we all know how that turned out. He got the role, yeah. and Val Kilmer fully immersed himself as Jim, Jim Morrison. And I know that for Austin Butler, I think he's still trying to shed the role. Like it's still, when he talks, he sounds like Elvis, but maybe that's how he sounded. And Baz Luhrmann's like, Oh my God, you're, you're the guy. <laughs> now if you could only sing and move, which he could. Yeah. And I know th- there's actually something on YouTube from Warner brothers where they have a scene of Baz with uh, some session players who worked with Elvis, I believe. And they're in a room and Austin Butler has to perform in front of them and Baz. And they're doing this scene. 
how daunting for Austin Butler. And he just, yeah. He gets right in there and, and, you know, with the family loves, you know, the Presley family loves the movie mm-hmm. and they did show obviously some negative part. How can you do Elvis without talking about the drugs yep. and, and those negative elements? But that's what makes a complete story. Nobody is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really shows that Elvis was a human being, obviously, even though to many he's like revered mm-hmm. as a God and worshiped. And, you know, his legacy of music continues. Uh, you can get great. If people are into vinyl, that to me is the best way because that's when Elvis was recording, that was the medium. And they're remastering all his albums, many of his albums, the ones that were in living stereo and all those cool albums, remastering them from the original analog tapes and not like digital transfers and crap like that. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Oscar nominations, as you and I said, hopefully we'll get something. It's always hard for summer films, as we've seen, to break through the Academy. So many of those films are slated towards those fall releases, October, November, December. But I would have to think, like you said, production design, costume design, and hopefully an Austin Butler lead performance. I, I, I just, I'm praying he gets a nomination. I remember Rocket Man did not write Taron Egerton's summer movie, well reviewed. Right. But I'm hoping Austin Butler can break through. We'll see. This movie better get nominations for Academy Award, including Best Picture, yeah. including Best Actor for Austin Butler, uh, and again, this is like you said with summer movies. Sometimes by the time. The Oscar nominations are being balloted. It's been too long and people forget. I don't think anyone's going to forget this movie. I also feel Top Gun Maverick should be nominated for Best Picture. Wow. You want to boost your Academy Award ratings? Yeah. And not. And I've always said the Academy Awards are not the box office awards, but come on. Top Gun Maverick is a totally worthy movie. Why would you go to 10 possible nominations if you're not going to include yeah. A movie like that or Skyfall, for example, which should have been nominated. I did love Skyfall. That opening scene of Skyfall. Sam Mendes, amazing. And and you're right. That's what happened. You went from five to ten. And rather than getting in films like The Dark Knight and WALL-E, you end up getting more obscure independent and foreign films, which, listen, guys like you and me watch. Drive My Car was great, but that was not the point of the rule. Right. And that, and that's the thing. It's to recognize films that are more commercial that are worthy of Oscar consideration or, you know, at least a nomination for Best Picture. And I think Elvis, it, it absolutely needs to be recognized for all these achievements and, and not the least of which is Austin Butler. Yeah. What a what a great thing that would be for him. Oh. I mean, to, to come out of the gate like that. I mean, it's not his first movie, but it's his first, as far as I know, lead performance in a movie totally worthy of, of that i think yeah and the the actor plays uh priscilla presley let's not forget her yeah. so good in the movie it's just a it's a great film everybody's great in it uh I, and i really enjoyed it i love it excellent opinions and excellent insight from paul de garabedian the senior media analyst at comscore and the host of many screens big picture podcast i love the fact you brought props i mean this is an audio podcast brought you, props you have, you got you my elvis albums <laughs> I've got Elvis's back from the army and I've got my very expensive 24 carat hits. By the way, this is a three disc set. I, I don't own this record company. I'm nothing to gain here. And it, these are 12 inch records and they play at 45 speed. Oh. So you get very high fidelity. And like I said, the later <laughs> songs like uh, crying in the chapel, uh, you know, suspicious minds. These are all great. Are you lonesome tonight? Marie's the name, his latest flame. I mean, it just doesn't get any better. <laughs> I feel like we should well, look be, at this. I, go ahead, go ahead, show you. I mean, yeah. is that a good-looking gentleman or what? I mean, look at Elvis, man. Smoldering those eyes, man. And I actually, I I recently uh, watched the uh, interview with Martin Sheen talking about this was years ago, but he said that Elvis was the first artist for like kids in the fifties to appeal to boys and girls. Yeah. Like it wasn't just. You know, guys loved Elvis. Obviously, the the, the girls loved Elvis. Yeah. And he said that was really different back then. It used to be like certain singers would attract certain, you know, people. Yeah. And Elvis kind of attracted everyone. Yeah. Paul, this was awesome stuff, man. I feel like we should sing a duet at this point. You're coming. I think we should. Trap. What do you want to do? Are you lonesome tonight? Or, uh, oh, no, no. For you, a hunk, a hunk of bird in love. <laughs> just, just that opening, right? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Oh, great stuff, Paul. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you, Adnan. <laughs> I really appreciate such an honor to be on the show. All 
All right, once again, thanks to Paul DeGarabedian. You have not seen Elvis yet, Cody, but Elvis talked back-to-back weeks on Cinefire. You, like, you feel the Elvis buzz a little bit, at least? If I wasn't, you know, having uh, Miller Lights all weekend long with this uh, Fourth of July weekend, I might have seen it, but I do plan on seeing it. You guys have, like, I was already kind of wanting to see it, but you and Paul, like, you, your enthusiasm got me for it, but Paul, too. Like, I got to see We got to get people out there celebrating it. Elvis. How about him saying that Top Gun should be nominated for uh, an Oscar? I wanted you to call him out more. Yeah, my God, that's, an, uh, that's an absurd take, Paul. Like, you're an awesome guy. <laughs> Loved all your insight. That's an absurd take. Let's move on. Like Tom Cruise is a, Tom Cruise is despicable to me. He is despicable. He hits you because like you've said the exact opposite. You're like, just because they're doing 10 nominations yeah. now, I don't want them to start going ridiculous. And he said the yeah. exact opposite. He's like, they're doing 10 now. Let's have yeah. a ridiculous. And I'm one like, no, I don't give it that. I'm good with that too. But actually, no. Let's just let's just go ahead and ignore Top Gun. It's already made a billion dollars. That's enough of a enough of a success. Yeah. I don't need it at the Oscars as well. Uh, a couple quick thoughts. I saw the trailer released, this new George Clooney, Julia Roberts movie. People are losing their minds about that. So I'm sure Cody and I will break that down at some point whenever that movie is released. Uh, you get these impossibly handsome people back together again. And also news involving Cameron Diaz. She's coming out of retirement, which I'm sure you have the same reaction as me. I didn't know she was retired. But Jamie Foxx reached out to her and said, you got to make this movie with me. I think it's for Netflix. She said she's been retired since 2018. And how did Fox hook her? He got his good buddy Tom Brady to call Cameron Diaz. So Tom Brady called Cameron Diaz because I'm telling you, retirement's not great. You should come back out there. You still got plenty of gift. So Cameron Diaz coming back thanks to a call from Tom Brady. What are your favorites? What if you look at Cameron Diaz, listen, Cameron I love Diaz. The Mask. I mean, what, a, what an appearance. Yes. Like, oh my God, Cameron Diaz, hello. There's something about Mary, her best film. Yep. Uh, Charlie's Angels. Those are the top probably, two. Probably, I'm not crazy, but there's just her dancing in her underwear. You ready for this one? Rom-com? Best. Bad teacher. I love watching... Love. Oh well, no, I've seen that one. That one's got some moments. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. The Holiday. Wow. I, I, I don't think. I'm telling. I don't you, believe I've seen it, the Holiday. I know it's kind of like. It, I'm telling you, it's kind of like you know, foofy and like it's lovey-dovey. Yeah. It's very romantic comedy. I'm telling yeah. you though, it's a good romantic comedy, and it's a holiday movie. Watch it around like, you know, the holiday hmm. season and stuff, New Year's yeah. and stuff. It's good. Hol- I like. I wasn't it. expecting. I thought you were gonna like being John Malkovich. I love great in the movie. Gangs yeah. in New York, awesome. She's not great in it, but it's a great. Any film. given Any Sunday. Any given Sunday. Any I love given her Sunday. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. been some definitely some and then, Cameron Diaz movies. And then another ridiculous. See, those are, I got two rom-coms on here. I know you hate rom-coms. The Holiday and What Happens in Vegas with Ashton and Fisher. Watchable. I'm telling you, I know you're thinking these are just dumb Yeah, there's movies. no way this is good. Very predictable, which they kind of yeah. are. But I'm telling you, What Happens in Vegas, sneaky funny. The Holiday, sneaky just good. Good movie, I'm telling you. Nice movie. You watch it and you're like, that made me feel good. Right, the Holiday and movie. What Happens in Vegas. Let's we'll check those out. Maybe uh, maybe when Cameron Diaz makes her comeback, we'll do those for the old movies. And then her new movie, Jamie yeah. Foxx, will be back as well. Uh, right. Thanks so much for checking out Cinefall. Thanks again to Cody and the entire crew. And let's get thinking about how to get to Wimbledon next year. Hopefully some tennis movies right now in the pipeline. We can try to figure out some sort of cross-promotion. Next week on Cinefall, Thor, Love and Thunder. And we'll also talk about, because it's summertime, how about the best beach movies? All right, Top 10 beach movies. That'll be our wild card next week. And lots of great stuff coming down the pipeline. Thanks for supporting Cinephile. I'll see you at the movies. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.